You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show, my friend. We're so stoked you're tuning into another episode of the show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we drop a new episode to encourage you and give you tools for your business and life. And now today we're stepping up to the mic with Julie Bevere from Sons and Daughters to talk all about finding your calling in life. Julie is a co-founder of Sons and Daughters, a collective of young adults helping this generation discover the adventure, freedom, and purpose found in our creator. Julie and Sons and Daughters as a whole desires to see the sons and daughters of God rise to their potential so that their impact reverberates long after their final breath. They have a community of resources, vlogs, a podcast, and most recently, their book, I Am. Now, today we talked with Julie about calling and identity. Now, if you've ever struggled with knowing if you're doing the right thing in life, falling into the pit of comparison, or knowing who you are in life, this episode is about to rock your world. Julie leads just such a powerful conversation of navigating, finding your identity as a son or daughter of God, and how that leads into finding your calling in life. So from there, we discuss the difference between, you know, vocation and calling, how to navigate the secular versus sacred divide, what your calling is not, and just a lot, lot more. It is such a powerful episode that has the potential to change your life forever. So do not skip this episode. Let's now chat with Julie and find our calling. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Julie, welcome to the show. We are so excited to chat with you today. Oh, thank you, Evie. I am so, so happy to be here. Two so's. (laughs) It's going to be so, so. It's going to be fun. All right. For anyone who isn't familiar with you or doesn't know you, do you want to just introduce yourself to our audience and kind of like chat a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Julie Bevere, and I am primarily and first and foremost a mom. Um, My husband and I met when I was super young. And actually, over MySpace was uh-huh. kind of our <laughs> our first. Um, there was no DM to slide into, but nice. it was kind of like email. And then we we kind of we jumped right in. Um, I we got pregnant two months after we got married, so oh. it wasn't really always the plan <laughs> that I would be a mom at nineteen. Um, but thankfully, it was with an incredible man and. <laughs> There were so, 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 this one gets three so's, um, (laughs) so many bumps, but through it all, you know, there was a consistency of commitment to one another. And, um, so we, we just decided to go ahead and start, like, let's just have our kids now so that they're all close. So we had four, I was going to say we banged it out. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) We're going to 
go. Interesting choice of language there, <laughs> yeah. Julie. I like this. We're just, <laughs> we're just getting aside any, you know. Awkwardness. Yes, it's all yeah. We're just yeah. friends. We are friends now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Figuratively and literally. And then, <laughs> and then we, um, so I, I knew that that was what I wanted to do from a really young age. I felt called to be a mom. And thankfully it wasn't any of the boyfriends in my high school years that, um, I ended up a mom with, but yeah, this has gone down this funny trail. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But anyway, so then, um, a few years ago though, about four years ago is when myself and my three brother-in-laws, because I married into a, um, ministry family. So, my husband, Addison, his parents, John and Lisa Bevere, are both authors and ministers. And so for 30 years, um, 30 plus years now, they started a ministry and they just this entire world of ministry and kind of mega church, para ministry, all the ministers. 15 years ago when I married into it, I didn't even know it existed, honestly. I thought there was in the Christian realm, like there was pastors and there was churchgoers and I knew there was authors, but I just assumed they all were like monastic. Um, and I married into this family and this whole world that I didn't really know existed. Um, which even along with it had some weird hiccups for me in my, Mm -hmm. my own identity search. Yeah, I bet. But with these brother and brother-in-laws, when we started this collect collective, um, called sons and daughters, our heart was that we would just share what we had been given and that we had so many opportunities and um, just exposure to to things that were ingrained in the culture that we were growing up in. And I, I can even say for myself growing up in it because I married in when I was 19. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I had like a delay in my in my growth, but 19 to 30 for me was such intense formative years. So that was the world I was, I was growing in. And we just thought, you know, we want to share this. We want to have some way of shoulder to shoulder, you know, similar to what you guys are doing. Like, let's just share what we have, what we've been given. And it started as a video blog type thing. And then um, some social media stuff. And it was one night in Addison and I's living room where we just asked, what does it actually mean to be a son and son and daughter of God? Like this, this is thrown around quite a bit. Like the earth is groaning, is yearning for the sons and daughters of God to reach their full stature. But what does that really mean? And so we all just kind of said, let's, um, it was over the holidays. We said, let's split up and take take time to really dive into the word and find what it means. And from that time, we wrote out these seven I am statements. And so they're all biblically based because we do believe like there's such power in something that is beyond our human finite understanding. And from the seven I am statements, we drafted this um, covenant. And then we ended up doing an event that summer and it was called the rise covenant. And the event was called rise. So this book, all of that brings me to this book that's called I am, which will launch later this month. And the 
the, it comes from those seven I am statements and it's foundational to who we are and the permission that we have and why do we have that and how can we, how can we wield that and live from that position of knowing who we are, not asking the world to tell us who we are. So that, um, I can't even remember the question, but there's a, that was perfect. That was swirl, great. That was amazing. I love just so many things that you just said, but one of the last things is just like on discussing like our identity in Christ and in, in God, just because, man, I don't know if everyone, like every generation has felt this, but I feel like our generation and like in particular is under just such an attack of identity with social media and just the ease of comparison to Mm -hmm. so many people across so many different walks of life, different like cultures, different just upbringings, just the difference that should be celebrated. I am seeing so much of the enemy using to create such an identity crisis. And when mm-hmm. we don't know who we are, we can't step into our our calling that God has given to us. So I just am like lighting up hearing you talk about your book and I am and your guys's mission at Sons and Daughters. Do you feel, Julie, that that's like, you're like, oh yes, like we're seeing that in our society today, just that comparison trap that's creating so much confusion and lack of direction for people. Oh, 100%. And I'm seeing it in our society, but I'm even seeing it um, yesterday. My daughter, Sophia, who's 10, so she's in that really weird time of life. (laughs) Um, And she, she did this, I'm homeschooling them, and she did this little art thing. And she loves art, and she just hadn't tried. And I said, baby, you didn't try on this. Let's give it another go. And she just started weeping. And I was like, oh man, this is a whole Uh-oh. take her to my room, have a oh. conversation. <laughs> which is which are such precious moments. But sometimes I can be like, oh, again. Um, and I I brought her in here and she said, you know, mom, because she was taking art, art classes, and she said, I'm just not good. So I'm gonna give up. I said, why? Like, of course you're not good. You've only spent this many hours at it. Like the artists who you're seeing have spent this many hours practicing it. So they're going to be better. They've had more practice. She said, when I I drew, it was like a, a vase with flowers in it. I drew it and I felt good about it. And then I looked at the teachers and I realized mine wasn't good at all. Mm-hmm. My heart, I was like, baby, that's called comparison. You felt joy and then you looked at someone's better, someone who has had thousands upon thousands of hours longer than you. And you, that joy was just stolen. And I share that story because that feels like a picture. And I I felt even in that moment, like Julie, how often do you do that where you feel good and then you get on social media or you feel good and then you open a magazine or whatever. It, it can be so many different avenues of comparison where yeah. immediately it's like, oh, who was I to think this was good when there's something better in the world, which is insane 
because there is always something better. There is always someone prettier. There is always someone smarter, more successful, a cuter family, a a prettier house, you name it. You will always find something better. And so what are we looking to? I think it, it comes to what are we allowing to dictate the lens through which we are seeing ourselves and also the world? Mm, that's so good. Well, I feel like just identity through the lens of comparison versus the lens of understanding your identity as a daughter or son of God, like that's the difference there of like when you feel yourself stepping into that comparison game of stepping into, oh, like what am I basing my worth on? What am I basing my identity of who I am on? Am I doing it on what culture says I am or what what I'm feeling compared to? like in the world to, or am I coming back to who I am as a son and daughter of God? Um, and I, I would love to ask, like, how would you encourage someone to then even step into their calling as a son or daughter of God? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think which bit of that question to kind of go after first. <laughs> Sorry. It was kind of a um, little bit just thought bubbling process. <laughs> well, the, the, the thought of calling and son and daughter, because yeah. First and foremost, you have to be in a place of rest and awareness that you are a son or that you are a daughter and that that's enough. And I believe the entrustment of calling or purpose or whatever you want to call it, because they all kind of are the same is my belief. Um, We piece it up a little bit and we try to make formulas out of it because we want control. I think anytime you see a need for a formula, Behind it is this deep desire for control. And so first and foremost, just resting in like, I am a daughter. I am a son. I am a a being. Like this is who I am. And anything I do is secondary to that. And that is grace. Like that is when you hear these division between grace and law. That is grace. That is the stance of like, I I stand in a place of righteousness, of right standing because of nothing I've done. And everything flows from that, but we get those mixed up. And Mm. my belief is that that is so detrimental to who we are as individuals. But the bigger thing is who we are as a body, as the body, as the bride, because That's another thing about calling is that in our Western culture, we individualize it. What is your calling? And we were always kind of doing it in this way. How would this look on a resume? As opposed to what piece of the body am I meant to play? Because it is a bigger picture. It's more than just us. It's more than just our vocation or our marriage or all of these things that are important, 100% they're important, but they're not the thing. And it's so, um, it's so interwoven that we can't just kind of piece it out. And I know that's the temptation. Like, let's just, let's just piece this all up so that we can kind of deal with it one by one. And then maybe it'll all come together as a pretty picture, but it's, cyclical, it's interwoven. And it starts with this knowing like, I am a daughter. I don't have to prove. I have nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide. 
Like this is between me and my father and who he says I am and the path that he has made in front of me. And that changes. That's another thing. Even for me right now, my primary vocation is that I'm a mom, but those kids are going to grow. And I'll always be a mom, but it'll look very different. But if I base my identity in these other individuals, And that's where I think it gets messed up is we base our identity in other individuals, even if it's Mm. our children or our husband or our pastor or our boss or our business partners, whoever they may be, that's fragile. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we have to be afraid of fragility, but we have to be aware of the fragility because then at moments it will crumble. Mm -hmm. And (sighs) what does it look like then? Oh, well, I think something just that you are hitting on so heavily there that I actually like wanted to bring up. I feel like a lot of times we can get our calling confused with our vocation. Um, Like, you know, my, my calling in life is to be a doctor or to be an entrepreneur, you know, whatever that looks like, or to be a mom. Do you think that your career relates to your calling or does your calling come more naturally from your identity no matter of what you're doing as like your job like your calling can be separate from your vocation or you know just like sprinkled into your vocation if that does that even make sense Mm -hmm. completely um I think I would say both and yeah like I don't know that there is a one-size-fits-all answer for this because there are people who will do many different vocations all throughout their life. And all of it is their calling. Mm -hmm. And the way that they position and approach each of those things is their calling. And then there are people who are so specifically designed for something that that's their calling. And so I I am almost wondering though, and this thought just popped in my mind, like where is the messaging that creeps in? And I think it's everywhere, but specifically in Christian circles. And I feel like it happens even when you're in junior high and high school, definitely in college and beyond. Like you got to find your calling. You got to find your calling. Mm -hmm. And it is so stressful. Like, without vision, the people perish. And I say these things in a way that sounds mocking, which I, I don't intend to, but that it's, it's so maximized as opposed to the, the more nuanced, less specific parts of our walk with the Lord, where it's like, you know, you have to figure that out for yourself. There's not going to be a formula. There's not going to be a step one, step two, step three, then you're in heaven. Um, this is a journey. And that's something I love about the I am message is that all throughout it, it's just this loud message of this is a journey. We're not trying to sell you something that's like, you know, snake oil where you're just going <laughs> to arrive after you've turned the last page. Yeah. Like this is just an opportunity for you to gain some more tools along the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Wait, Evie, did you, you said something? Well, I was just going to say, I think it's also just like, I haven't personally read the book yet, but I'm so excited to. But from everything that you're saying, Julie, of just like, 
it, it's it's reminding us too of like, let's backtrack. Let's take it back to the foundational piece of mm-hmm. who am I? Like, who is my identity as mm-hmm. a daughter of God? Because everything else comes from that. Like mm-hmm. knowing who we are and what God says about us and who God has created us to be from that springs, you know, the the fruit of the relationships in our lives and those vocations in our lives and that overarching like calling both as an individual playing a role in the bigger picture of God's calling to us as the church. Like it all is rooted in our identity in God. And it sounds like that book is just like helping us also remember that as like, you can't grow anything until you've like recognized and, and rooted in this rich soil. Completely. And and can we, you know, my heart, I, I feel any listeners who are like, this this just isn't enough for me. Like I want it. I want to know my calling. I want mm-hmm. to have something to grasp, to hold tight to. And I get that. I have been there. Can we remember that we all do have a calling and it is to love God and love people? Yeah. And oh, that's so good. To to just pause and be like, am I even doing that? Yeah. And the basics. It's like what you're saying, where if we if we kind of rewind to some of these basics, this intentionality. I think so much of life is about intentionality. And that means you're going to do less. If you're intentional with specific things, you're going to do less stuff. Yeah. It's going to be worth more. Yeah. And I just think there needs to be a higher value placed upon that. Mm hmm. That's so rich. Well, and I think kind of back to the vocation part of it is I think when when people are only so heavily focused on putting their calling in to their career or like say like, oh, I've wanted to be a doctor my whole life. That is my calling in life. And then say, I mean, I don't know, maybe you wouldn't get fired as a doctor or like something happens where, where you can no longer do that thing. Maybe a sports example is a better example. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm a golfer. Like, Mm -hmm. like I have trained my whole life to be a, whatever. I'm not, but like, Uh, what I mean is like, say I'm I'm training all all my life to be a golfer, and then like I get my arm shut off, cut off, or or, or whatever. This is so, a very intense example. Okay, but I'm, I'm like saying like, what happens when you put your worth and your identity yeah. and your calling into something that that you isn't necessarily your actual identity, mm-hmm. and then you lose it? What happens to your if your calling can no longer happen when it's like a vocation that could end? If that, mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to say. I'm using obviously dramatic language, like you, know, <laughs> you should have gone into the the details of the accident that took yes, you. How, how did the arm get cut off? I was personally <laughs> thinking a shark attack, but that's <laughs> that's what I imagined too. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, what's that girl Bethany Hamilton? Bethany but Hamilton. she's not a golfer, so that also she was still able she to kept do, surfing. Exactly, exactly. So. This is analogies all over the place, but does that make sense, Julie? Really, like what I'm saying, like, like when you put your worth and your identity. your identity and your calling into something that is not the Lord or is not your identity in the Lord, that's where mm-hmm. I think it can falter. Yes, and that's that's just so very possible. Like even being a golfer, even being a wife, like yeah. things happen, and that cannot be the totality of who you are, or you know what? It can be, 
because then you're just going to be broken and like God will still meet you there also. But that's yeah. not the, the that's highest, not, yes. the highest way to live because then here's what happens is you have so many expectations, which are, I just feel like God is really pounding me with the reality of what my expectations have stolen from me mm-hmm. over my life because you are not able to open-handedly receive things as the gift that they are when you're expecting them to be this overwhelming gift that surpasses everything where you'll, you'll never need another gift in your entire life because this gift is the gift. And it's like, no, it's a great gift, but it's, it's not all that. It was never intended to be all that. Yeah. So releasing, releasing some of that crazy pressure. I even just as hearing you, you know, say that like that gift, God's gifts to us are never intended to replace God on the throne of our hearts and our lives. Even, Mm -hmm. you know, something that is one of, you know, one of the biggest life-changing or most beautiful or most powerful gifts, like, you know, marriage or, or babies and, and kids or, you know, whatever that looks like. It could be work. It could be relationships. It could be, you know, even God's salvation. Like that is one of the strongest and most powerful gifts we will ever receive. But His salvation doesn't replace Him as our, like, our God. Like it is a part of Him. It comes from Him. Same with, you know, marriage or just whatever. Like if we are looking for his gifts to then shift into that throne where we're like, oh, now all of my joy will come from this. All Mm -hmm. of my, you know, this will be everything to me. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's never how his gifts were intended to be received. And I think that's where people find themselves burnt out and confused and just isolated from, from people, but isolated from God. Yeah. Because they believed things about him that weren't him. They were mm. his gifts. Mm. And that's so good. They kind of settled for that as a representation of him, as opposed to a real relationship with a living, breathing God who yeah. Yeah. is um, so multifaceted. Yeah. Like this could be your calling today. And I, I, I want to preface this. It's not like you're a wife today. You're not tomorrow. Um, <laughs> like do whatever you want. But in, in vocation, in different things where it's like, this could be your calling today. But if you transition out, if yeah. you work at a church and for different reasons, you transition out, you're not outside of God. That, yeah. was, that was a place where you worked. And yeah. that was something that even if it was good for a season, um, my husband will say the the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this kind of goes back to the beginning. It was when we were <laughs> engaged and um, would like kiss late at night. And he's like, like I got to leave. Like, yeah. And he's like, I need to get out the right thing. It's the wrong time. <laughs> exactly. Makes it the wrong thing. And that's a funny example, but it really is like timing and seasons. We tend to just want to ignore all of the wisdom of seasons and timing, specifically when we're younger, because we just want it now. Mm-hmm. And that even goes back to the culture that we are being cultivated within that it's a immediate satisfaction culture. So when it comes to calling, how much of 
kind of the messes that we find ourselves in with the right thing at the wrong time is because of that idea of immediate satisfaction, where if we had stayed in maybe a position of serving for five more years, character-wise, we would have gotten what we needed to then thrive in the calling that was always ours. We think that other people are going to take what's ours if we don't grab the bull by the horns and make it happen. But if you make it happen, you have to sustain it. And that is exhausting. So recognizing that maybe you're not in the position that you hope to be in one day, get everything that you need to get out of that because it is preparing you for what's ahead. And so what's in your hands? Are you being faithful and diligent and intentional with whatever is in your hands, even if it is not the dream job or the dream man, which if it's not the dream man, you don't need a man in your hands at all. Um, (laughs) Get him out. Get him out out of your hands. Um, But just knowing, I, I think being aware of the tendencies of the Western individualized immediate satisfaction culture We need to have an awareness of those things to recognize it for what it is and Mm. move through it. Wow. That was just a (laughs) mic drop moment right there. You you couldn't see that, Julie, but Lindsay and I were both sitting here and we were like— You were like fist pumping. It was like, like, (laughs) I was like, go, Julie, go. (laughs) Oh, man. I felt it. You know what? I can't even remember what I said, which is when I'm like, I think the best stuff— I'm yes. glad you're recording. Well, that's <laughs> when the Holy Spirit takes over and you know it just, whatever came out was good. It yeah, was good. We have it recorded. <laughs> hey, Heart Fam. We had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you get paid, aka my favorite part, (laughs) HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. If you're enjoying what you're getting in this podcast for free, then you're about to get your mind blown with what we offer in our educational courses. If you're ready to uplevel your business, serve your clients like never before, and reach revenue goals that you barely dared to dream of, then we're ready to help. 
Our courses are packed full of tools, formulas, strategies, and resources to help you kick freaking butt in biz. Whether you choose the photo major, a complete course for photographers, or the content photo minor, a mini course on how to finally slay your content photos for your blog, Insta, headshots, whatever, you will walk away with more knowledge than you ever thought possible. And here's the reality. We are here to see you succeed always and forever. And that is why we created each and every one of these courses. To check them out for yourself, read the reviews and look at each course syllabus, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash courses. That's theheartuniversity.com forward slash courses. I have a question for you that I think you would have such an interesting answer or just interesting opinion on. The idea, and you kind of mentioned it when you were like, oh, uh, if you work at a church or something, like that could be a season of life. I almost want to approach the topic of people thinking that you can't be a Christian if you are in ministry directly, like as your vocation or as your career, and like how that almost like the the pressure to like, oh, wait, you can't be like an accountant and be a Christian, mm-hmm. or you can't work like in corporate and be a Christian or, or own a business. And it's like, in my opinion, that's false, but I would love to hear what you think. Um, but just like, the concept of bringing, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, this concept of bringing faith and the Holy Spirit into whatever sphere of life that your career is. And like, it's like you could have a multitude of careers, but your calling as a son or daughter of God is infused into that. Would you agree with that or just have anything to say on like that kind of topic? Oh, I I love this topic because it there's so much confusion around this and it's tragic to, to see. And, um, every year we host our big fundraiser and this past year we raised, I think 3.5 million in 45 minutes. Wow. wow. And the majority of that did not come from pastors. Yeah. These were business people who know their place. in the kingdom. And we have to stop putting people on these um, pedestals because they're being used in the unique way that they are being used by God. And that's not to say we should not honor, but the honor needs to go up and the honor needs to go down. And I say up and down based upon our weird idea of success. Um, inaccurate would probably be a better, a better word of success. And so people knowing that they are just as called as the person standing on the stage Sunday morning, they are in just as righteous of a place with God, because it is not based upon what they're doing. Like it comes back to knowing who we are as a son or daughter, because Mm -hmm. It's just not about working at a church, working at a ministry. Um, it's about doing what you're called to do right now, yeah. today, like this day. What are you called to do? And are you doing it? Or are you allowing the distraction of it not being something else? And um, what's the saddest for me is when those successful business people believe the lie that they're not enough. Yeah, And then maybe they... <laughs> They change, they change careers, they go into ministry or whatever. And they're, it's like, oh, 
I assumed I was successful at business. I'd be successful at everything, but we have like, we have, we, we don't have everything. No one person is going to be the total package, no matter how hard they try to depict that on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be our part and do it so well. And I feel like you guys have probably seen this as well. When, when you see someone, usually for me, it's like a craftsman who does um, woodworking or jewelry making or just something creative. That's not all that it's limited to. That's just the way it speaks to me. But they are so passionate and just going after it and excelling because they're being driven by it's it's. Oh, I heard it described recently as you're not grasping for something. You're being grasped by something. Wow. And that is, I don't even know if it can be confined to words, that experience of being so much in the flow of the design that you were created for. And I feel like when people experience that, this whole conversation shifts because they don't need anyone to recognize them in their calling. They know because they know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, everybody, like people need to, to stop pedestaling different careers and believing, you know, you're closer to God because of that. Mm-hmm. It's a different religion. Yeah. And to recognize too the, not just the, you know, the holiness factor, which I think a lot of believers struggle with when it comes to, you know, the marketplace versus the ministry, mm-hmm. but also just the authority and the impact factor and like recognizing, you know, you can be walking in business with God as your, like the Holy Spirit as your CEO or your COO and radically impacting the kingdom of God and like pulling heaven to earth through business in a way that is, you know, changing massive amounts of lives. Like, and I think that's so important for believers to recognize like the duality of it's not just the holiness factor that I think a lot of us get caught up on, but also the impact factor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Lindsay, well, and I have and then, so much to say on that. <laughs> and you look at a world right now where there are a lot of people specifically in our age and our generation who are going to listen to the gospel out of the mouths of someone who is in business, who is in the marketplace, as yep. opposed to someone who's a pastor because yep. of the, you know, just the atmosphere around Christianity. Mm-hmm. So recognizing the unique position in this day and time that you have to be a light, I mm-hmm. think is so important. Mm. Well, that's literally why we like infuse, like we don't call like this podcast or our company a Christian podcast or a Christian company, but it is so infused because we don't want to reject or, or scare away people that don't believe the same because we, Mm -hmm. we truly have a heart to like serve every single person. Everyone's welcome here. Yeah, exactly. In the, in the field that we're in, which is, you know, creative business education, but I love what you just said. It's like people that might need the Lord aren't going to go, not everyone's going to go to a church to find it. Like they might be listening to it on this podcast literally right now. And like that's their only glimpse of Jesus that they might have ever received before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I love what you just said. Like that, that resonates so much with my heart. 
Well, and I want to commend the two of you, Evie and Lindsay, for doing that, because that that line that we've created between sacred and secular is so unbiblical. Like we were to go to the marketplace, to be a part of the everyday coming and going. And I don't know where in Christian history, it would probably be fascinating to discover this, this divide this is sacred and this is secular. So even calling things Christian, like Christian music or a Christian podcast, um, why? Why not let who you are be the ultimate sign of Christ Mm -hmm. as opposed to slapping this label on it, which, which will polarize and you'll never get the ears of some people if you do that. Mm, I love this. Julie, do you have any thoughts? We've talked a lot about, you know, identity and calling and vocation and, you know, ministry versus marketplace, sacred versus secular, you know, whatever you want to call it. We've talked about a lot of things. Do you have any thoughts for someone who's listening to this right now who's like, okay, the there is something that I am missing. Like there's something on like a calling, like a confidence and a, and a, a clarity that I feel like I'm missing right now. Do you have advice or thoughts on how someone can kind of begin to walk the path of feeling that clarity Do you, or thoughts on it overall? I do. Um, that's a great question. I, I don't know that it can be compartmentalized just into calling, though. I think it's always a, a deeper identity level. Because if you're asking these questions, then you're you're needing something that you don't have and grasping for something that you don't have. And um, so my my very practical recommendation would be get still and get silent. Like you can stop, you can stop the hustle for a day yeah. and just mm. or an, an hour or 15 minutes and just be still. And really sit in this place of like, why? Like, why am I confused? What is the question I'm asking? And what's behind the question I'm asking as it relates to um, calling or vocation? Um, yeah, and, and maybe like a social media fast. If you could remove as much of your comparison triggers. Again, just this awareness of who you are and the different things that make up your perception of the world. I think being aware of what they are is the best way to start removing them or um, refining them into what they need to be in order to best serve you where you're not serving them. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on like what you're calling is not like, like almost like the opposite question of like, okay, Mm -hmm. like, is there anything that we could look out for for being like, okay, that that's not it? Or like, maybe not even specifics, obviously, because every single person's d- different. But like, oh, like just like a staple of like, that's not your calling. Does that make sense? Yeah, like you're not called to run a sex trafficking ring. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> not your calling. <laughs> you're not called to be a murderer. Uh, let me just keep <laughs> You're like, I could pull out these all day. I'll go from the Ten Commandments. 
starting first. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, no, I, that's great. And we do cover this extensively in the calling chapter in the I am book. And I'll just share with you a couple of them. One of them is that your calling is not as fragile as you believe it to be. Mm-hmm. That is something that I think people can believe I'm going to mess it up or they already have messed it up is probably the more common. So if they hear that word or whatever, they're like, yeah, I had a calling and I totally messed it up. It's not as fragile as we believe it to be. You know, it does say like there is a straight and narrow road, but I have seen God work the miraculous out of garbage situations, just the ashes of someone's bad decisions. And those are my favorite stories. And those people usually have such an unshakable depth to them because yeah. they've been there. They've gone there with the Lord. So your calling is not as fragile as you believe it to be. I mean, look at Peter even. Jesus yeah. says to him, I'm going to build my church on this rock. And then shortly after that is when he denies him. And Peter's like, "I that's it. Like I have totally messed this up. What have these past years even been for? I'm done. And Jesus so graciously, I think it's on the beach after they've again had a situation in a boat with fish, which is so personal to Peter. Like this is something I cannot get over about God is how specific and personal and detailed he is with our lives. Where again, it's like, He's in a boat and he's fishing. And then he's like, you haven't blown it. Like this was all actually part of it. I told you this was going to happen. So we're not the ones in charge of our story. Our life is this tapestry and only God can weave all of the different threads together to make it as beautiful as it is intended to be. So Mm. take that pressure off yourself. Your calling is not as fragile as you think it is. Mm. That's so powerful to even, you know, recognize. I think a lot of us can make ourselves bigger than God in our own heads and be Mm -hmm. like, I am responsible for absolutely, you know, every decision I make is going to make or break God's plan for me. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, (laughs) I mean, not not saying that God doesn't partner with us and doesn't allow us free will and doesn't love when, you know, we take action we're not puppets. However, (laughs) we're also not God. So (laughs) there's that, that balance and just that reminder of like, we're not that big. We're not that powerful. Like it's so, so good. And God can just like take beauty from ashes and make, make everything. Not that that means we should just go straight for the ashes, (laughs) but he can, he can bring beauty out of every dark or heartbreaking or just unwelcome circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Pain is an incredible instructor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's so good. Ah, well, Julie, it has been such a joy to talk to you. This has been such a fun conversation. Just mm-hmm. filling my heart. I know our listeners' hearts. Um, just to round us out, where can everyone find you? Uh, read the book, I Am, or get the book, I guess. Um, check you out or check out Sons and Daughters. Like all of, just plug away all of your things. <laughs> all the things. My address, don't <laughs> Um, don't do that unless you really want to like Bob Goff with his number in the back oh my gosh yes oh god bless him Um, my my husband always jokes he's like hey I have Bob Goff's number I could just call him and I'm like everyone has Bob Goff's number (laughs) (laughs) 
but he should, he should call it and test it. Um, everybody can get the book and find out just so much about sons and daughters and what it is and the movement that it is because this, our whole premise has always been shoulder to shoulder. And that is sonsanddaughters.tv. And we have a whole network now of ambassadors. And we um, just, with that, we always want to give as much as we can to encourage people to gather. Because this, this, all of this is really done best in the context of community. Like, yeah. yes, it starts with your personal relationship with God, but you flourish in the context of community. And that is the design. We yes. were meant to be that way. Amen. And so sonsanddaughters.tv and then on Instagram, follow at sonsanddaughters. Um, I have an Instagram, but I am like not, not a big, <laughs> I'm not so great at the gram. I'm trying to be better. <laughs> I love it. I just can't figure out where it fits if I'm on it. Like that's a whole other conversation. Like where does Instagram really fit in your life? Um, But especially if it's like a personal Instagram versus like your guys's Instagram as a whole, which is sons and daughters. Like, so it, yeah. Isn't your Instagram, just to clarify, isn't your sons and daughters at sons and daughters TV? Is that right? The website is um, sonsanddaughters.tv. Okay. And then well, the Instagram is just at sons and daughters. It Am I crazy? TV. I'm literally looking at it might be TV. and the handle is sons okay. and daughters. <laughs> I'm, glad I'm, crazy. I, I'm I glad am. I prefaced this with I'm not great at the ground. <laughs> I did not. In no way was that me trying to like challenge you. I just wanted to make sure people went to the right spot. <laughs> I was like, I'm looking at it right now. Am I on the wrong? <laughs> I I appreciate the fact check. I have sons and daughters. So we could just <laughs> we could just edit that. All, is, is she even a part Everyone's of that? like, uh, Julie? <laughs> yes, at so sons much. and daughters dot TV. No, it's just TV. At sons and daughters TV. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, amazing. Oh, so good. We know where your strength lies, Julie, and it is not in the Instagram <laughs> handle. <laughs> it's not. It um, is amazing. Not. I love it. Well, Julie, thank you so freaking much for being here, for sharing your heart and just the mission behind Sons and Daughters and, you know, the heart of the book I Am. I just, I know so many people are blessed by this and are going to be so blessed by just your guys' ministry and, and the book and your mission and everything. Absolutely. Thank you, Evie. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, anytime. This was so fun. Yes. It was a joy having you. 